0: Hello, good day, everyone. Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. This is episode sixteen. Wow. We've made it farther than I ever thought <laughs> yep. when we started this thing uh, that it was going to go. Uh, I'm Harrison Gilming. I'm sitting here today with
1: Pastor Jeff, uh, or Jeff.
0: Pastor <laughs> Jeff, capital P. Yeah. If you if you approach him and he doesn't, sure. if he doesn't hear the uppercase. On the, on the P of pastor as you approach him, he actually is contractually obligated <laughs> to not answer you.
1: I had a conversation with someone and they referred to me as Reverend Cook.
0: Reverend Cook. Yeah. That gets you extra points, yeah, but that was interesting. he's got to hear the respect on the pastor part <laughs> or else he's walking out of here. Um, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Um, so uh, Jeff, uh, this last weekend... Uh, Taught and wrapped up a series that we had had been in for a pretty good stretch here of about, uh, our our big board says about nine weeks Mm -hmm. um, on the uh, fruit of the Spirit and the role of the Spirit in our lives. So I don't know, I guess before we start in, um, I was just reflecting the other day as we were sitting in our worship planning meeting and kind of wrapping up the series, just kind of the the, the coolness of ha- of how we had had this series planned and how it ended up playing out over this past nine weeks
1: particularly mm-hmm. um, in this season I don't know what do you think about that I it in a in a season of lockdown uh, and all your your outward stuff either going away or changing to be focused on how God acts in us I, I mean it couldn't have been more perfect in my opinion
0: that's true I didn't think about it that way and it's and it's hard um, because um a lot of times, and rightfully so, like we we have to hold everything in balance as we teach because there there is a um <laughs> Sorry man. <laughs> you get you better not answer it if it ain't Jesus. <laughs> um a, a lot of times we have to find this balance, which everything's a balance, but we walk the line between your your faith and and your your relationship with God can can be on one end of the spectrum totally inwardly focused where all you're worried about is you know what you personally are thinking what you personally are feeling what you personally feel like god is saying to you and then the way other end of this was uh a lot more of probably i think how maybe israel in the old testament viewed god which is like it's a communal thing it's all of us Mm -hmm. together it's 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 not uh it's not just me spending all the time thinking about myself so we We walk in the middle of all that, but it was a neat season to just kind of say, you know, we're going to, even as we teach those, we're going to balance it. You can't talk about love and just talk about
1: how you feel about it. Right. Yeah. Well, and even the, so, and that's why like, it's the fruit of the spirit, right? So it is, it's God in us. And then what happens as a result of that and even the connectedness aspect of the whole thing. I mean, that's, that's literally what connects us is the Holy spirit in us. Um, it's just a, a fun day. Th- and I didn't even place it until I looked at the dates on that board, but we really teed it up right before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And now as things are slowly starting to kind of ease a little bit, we're moving on to, to our next series this weekend. So,
0: yeah, well, actually we can preview that right now cause we haven't said a lot about it. Um, we're, we're kicking off a series, Uh, that's going to take us through about six weeks of the summer here um, that we're calling God Stories. That's language that uh, if you've been around Lake Forest at all, you've heard us use that language. If you've uh, been through our
1: Welcome 101, actually, that's a pretty important part of that, right? Yep, absolutely. That is, we do at the, so it's a three-session class, and the last session, really all we do is share our God Stories with one another. Um, And it's, you know, people ask all the time for a formulaic way to know what a God story is, you really just kind of know because it was God. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's, I think a lot of what we're going to see in these stories because there's no specific common thread amongst the people we're going to talk about, except that it was God acting in their story.
0: Yeah. We're going to, we're going to kind of look at the line between where, um, the line between where we can look at our story and say I can see God moving in that, and and my life is about something bigger, and looking at at stories of some of the people that we see uh, in the Bible and the Old and New Testament, um, where where we see God working in them, that's that's a th- a common a common thread that's really clear throughout the Bible. That sometimes feels hard to say that that's part of my story too. When you look at the Bible, you're like, well, that's clearly the Bible is God's story, you know, like right. this is all God's story. Um, so we're just, just attempting to take a look at pulling that apart a little bit and, and saying that, uh, our story, my story, your story, uh, is, is the best story that it, that it can be when you, uh, see it as part of this bigger thing that God is doing. So we're excited for that. It's going to sure. be a, it's going to be a cool, um, six weeks and we got, we got, a some some fun people even coming in to speak for a few of those weeks. Um, so, all right, let's get down to it here. A couple questions for you, a couple follow-ups. Um, so we, we we had a Q&A right after the service, and we knocked out a couple questions, but we had one come in that we wanted to specifically save uh, for this, and this is the question. It says, How does God see extreme dislike in my spirit for people that I see sowing division in our country, someone asked us that
1: question. Uh, it is the unpardonable sin. Uh, your salvation is go- no. I'm yep, kidding. See you later. That is <laughs> that is not true. Um, I think that I think that God's not limited the ways that we are in terms of how He interacts with us and what He sees. And so I'm trying to put human language on a thing that's bigger than that, but I will try. Uh, I think there's two things that happen. One. I think it, it breaks his heart. Um, I think that, and again, this is a, it's just an attempt to illustrate, but when I see one of my children uh, hateful or angry towards another one of my children, it hurts me in a special way because I have love for all. Um, and for, to see that kind of interaction hurts me in like multiple angles. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, God is a God of of the just, right? Like of of justice and truth, uh, and not being afraid to be bold, uh, not being afraid to stand against uh, principalities and powers, right? That's talked about in Scripture that that really do rule this world and are not about unity in Christ. And so, so to have something in me that doesn't feel comfortable to witness that and ignore it, I think makes God's heart leap. The fact that it exists, I think, makes his heart break.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I, I th- that, that's helpful to think about in, in the analogy because there are definitely instances as a, as a parent where they're fighting, and you know one of them directly did the wrong thing, and the other one is reacting negatively to that, but it's because they were legitimately hurt because the, the other child... Uh, you know, sometimes for no other reason than they were feeling bad or having a bad day, not because the other person did something to instigate it. I've had times where one of my kids would just walk up and just boom, just pop the other one and the other one gets mad. And uh, yeah, your heart breaks, not only for the one that that got hit, but you don't want that for the one that's acting out on it either. And And God, as we see... Um it's easy to misconstrue the the love that God has for us and what exactly love is as a blanket uh as a blanket like do literally whatever you want and I'm cool with it.
1: Right. And that's I mean there's a couple places where scripture specifically addresses like yeah grace you don't earn it you just get it and that's awesome but does that mean do whatever you want? No. Like, it's very clear that's not what we're supposed to do. Uh, and that's not to, to belabor who the Holy Spirit is, but it's part of the role, the function that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is convicting us when we are taking liberties we're not supposed to take, right? We're, we're responsible for what we know and to act on those things and do what we know is right. And sure, we fail, and God doesn't, doesn't hate us for that, um, but we should at least be able to acknowledge that there's a different way that we're meant to engage.
0: So what do you think at the bottom line is the uh, appropriate way to feel the appropriate posture of your spirit? If there is somebody that you see to take the example of, of our kids, whoever it could be, if you, I mean, we see stuff, uh, you see stuff in the news all the day, uh, all the time during, during the day that you can barely stand to click the link because of just the horribleness of what, People do to each other sometimes. So when it comes to a situation like that and there's someone that is causing hurt and pain, what are we supposed to feel toward that person?
1: Right. Um, so this is probably an unpopular answer, but uh, it's the way I live, so I don't know any other way. I think we're supposed to feel empathy. I think that that our role, our job, so let me put it this way. One of the things that makes it easy for me to be a pastor is the number of horrible things I did when I was younger. Like I don't, judging other people is not a thing I really struggle with because I know what it is to be that that horrible whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have, I can tap into pretty quickly an empathy towards that. And, and some of the things that create behaviors that look awful, but are generated out of Uh, ignorance or hurt or trauma. And so when we see that, I think that what God calls us to is to try and step into that person's perspective, not ignoring the truth of scripture. We need to hold to that standard. But but for me to make the attempt to understand why they might be engaging that way, because that builds a bridge instead of putting up a wall.
0: And that goes hand in hand with that you that you do all the time, as you said, as as your role as a pastor is sometimes part of the empathy and part of the loving people. It has to be said is, is straight up speaking truth to that person. It's Mm -hmm. not like a, again, it's not like, it's not like a blanket thing of saying, well, they're trying their best. And I, I understand why you're feeling that way. Uh, love is caring for and being empathetic enough for somebody to not, To not be okay, just walking past them in the middle of that and saying, "I understand," without, without being able to 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 at least speak truth toward it. Right? Mm
1: -hmm. There's there's a power that develops in that relationship. Uh, Like so, for example, uh, anytime I preach, I always preach to my wife first because my wife will say, "That made no sense. That story is too long. You need to do like she'll just be honest with me." Yeah. But it's never out of judgment or mean-spiritedness. And because of that, there is a trust that I share with her where uh, when she is reaching out with encouragement, I can receive it because I know it's not false. Like I know it's it's the real thing. And when I have something to go to her with that I really need genuine truth on, I'm not afraid that she won't tell me what's real because she's afraid of hurting my feelings or, or whatever the case may be. And I think that that truth extends way outside of marriage and that that's just how we, especially in the body of Christ, but just we as human beings interact with each other. People with whom I am willing to be honest, even when it's hard, not mean, but honest, will trust me in the long run because they know that I'm not selling them a bill of goods. So nobody asked this question. So I'm sorry to put you on the spot. I'm
0: just sure. following a natural extension of all of this stuff. Cause I'm curious to hear what, what you would say about it. Sure. Um, a, a lot of people right now from a lot of different angles are thinking about, uh, are thinking about injustice. There's a lot of people speaking loudly, publicly, social media about it. Um, we'll get to this part later, but we've even been hosting a forum about racism in America in particular, that kind of injustice. But how, like, how do you, how do you speak publicly and lend your voice to injustice, but also do that in love, knowing that there was somebody who, who has, in a lot of these instances has purposefully chosen to carry out an act of hatred or injustice on somebody. So how do you, how do you approach that with, with love without looking like, uh, just being totally silent about it because you don't want to like hurt somebody's feelings. Like sure.
1: Jesus hurt a lot of people's feelings probably, right? Oh, I'm sure he did. Um, the, well, so what I think happened and I think this happens over time, but there's two sides to how you respond to that kind of thing. Cause words, I mean, words are good, but they're just words. Actions are more important. Uh, You know, we want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And and because of that, what seems to have happened in public forums, to speak specifically to your question, in public forums, there's a tendency to shy away from denouncing the negative thing entirely so that you can just focus on the positive because that's safe. Mm -hmm. But what people have realized is that that usually signals inaction. That usually means that you're just kind of up there trying to look like the good guy and I don't know that anything's going to happen. Because acknowledging that what was done is wrong is part of the solution. What has happened, however, is a complete reverse. So now there's this thing where people will will from the rooftops denounce the negative thing, but they're never actually doing anything positive. There's no actual active love taking place. And so so what I have found, and I'm by no means am I claiming to be perfect on the balance, but my hope is, my attempt is When something is egregiously wrong and for whatever reason in my spheres of influence, I know people want to know what I think about that. Mm -hmm. I need to acknowledge it, but I need to acknowledge it honestly, but gently. And the primary emphasis needs to be on, okay, not this, but this. And that's where I need to really land and spend my time. Um, Which you you never
0: you never would ever. It's not in you, but you, you would never center that conversation around the hatred of a person that perpetrated a thing.
1: Right. I, well, and that's, it's funny, and this may be going way too deep, but I've had a lot of these conversations. There are times that the human in me feels guilty for not hating a person Hmm. who's doing something contrary to what I believe is appropriate. Like, I feel like, like there's something wrong in me. Like I should be hateful towards them because that's what I see around me. But that is not what I see in scripture. That is not what I see in the lives of spiritually mature men and women who I trust. Um, It's just what I see in the culture. And that's not like we're not meant to be a part of the, well, we're meant to be in the culture, but not of the culture. Um, and, And there's still this human bit in me. Kind of like, you know, like if I'm your friend and you hate so-and-so, I got to hate so-and-so in order to be your friend, Mm -hmm. but that's not actually true. Mm -hmm. Hate, hate doesn't really solve anything. Awesome. Well, that turned into, that turned into more. That was
0: cool. Um, okay. So let me turn the page a little bit to a different thing. Um, we normally before all this stuff, uh, one of the rhythms that our staff here at Huntersville has is we'll get together. Uh, we'll get together every week, um, on Tuesday mornings as the day is getting started and, and gather our staff team around and s- just spend a little time reflecting, uh, praying someone will, someone will share a thought or something that God is doing. We'll reflect on it. Uh, yesterday that kicked back up. Um, and I was not there cause I forgot what day it was. <laughs> Literally. I forgot what day on the calendar it was, which is, to, uh, I got to the end of the day, And my wife was like, are you taking the trash out? I'm like, why? It's Wednesday. Listen. She's like, no, this is directly, this is
1: Tuesday. That's the part that matters. (laughs) Yeah. That you got that garbage out. That's
0: true. So, uh, yesterday at that amazing meeting that I completely missed when I forgot what day it was, uh, you... (laughs) You spoke a little bit about, uh, about worldviews and our, our worldview as Christ followers. So
1: you can fill me in with everybody else because I have no idea what you said. Sure. Um, so what I actually said, so the struggle I've been having, because I have found myself, uh, at least in our community, center cut in deep in the conversations around injustice and things of that nature and worldview. Listen, I have a, a psychology background, a sociology background, like, I, I love and value that stuff. I don't value it above scripture, but it's valuable. Um, and there are worldviews that uh, people put forth surrounding racial inequity. Um, this is just the current example. This is true for anything. That, that are uh, a secular description of truth. Now, all truth is God's truth. But so I had shared one of those and had an interaction, uh, a wonderful, loving, intelligent, thoughtful interaction with someone who kind of challenged, Hey, like scripture is where we're supposed to be coming from. Why talking about worldview? Like that's kind of a seculary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it kind of gave me pause to really think. And so I reflected and what I thought of as dumb as this sounds is those things on Facebook that come up. Uh, so like the, the most popular example would be the dress that's either like blue yeah, and yeah. black or white and gold, but there's also like, you know, Do you see a guy or a girl first? Do you see a a duck or a bunny? Mm -hmm. And then based on what you see, they kind of tell you something about yourself. Right. And usually it's right brain, left brain, whatever. Um, and, and so we, we did some of those as a staff and people saw different things and then we said, okay, why don't you take a minute and try and see the other thing. And even though it was harder for some than others, they were able to, when they tried, Um, and and we just talked about the reality that things like our upbringing, our ethnicity, our socioeconomic status, our education level, I mean, everything affects the way we see the world. And so to pretend that just because there is a truth, everyone's going to see it the same way is, is false. Um, and, And so, so we took that premise and, and if that's a truth, well, it's gotta be in scripture somewhere. And so I went to, um, I went to Matthew 13, which is one of the, you know, accounts in the gospels where they talk about Jesus telling a parable of the seeds that he throws on different kinds of soil and whatever. And there's a huge crowd and he says this whole really deep thing that we now love and quote and preach all the time. But at the end of it, he just says, if you got ears to hear hear. if you got eyes to see, see drops the mic and leaves. And I've always kind of pointed to that and joked that Jesus wasn't a very good preacher there's no application points where' yeah. are the exit Jesus <laughs> yeah but, um, but but right after that his disciples say basically that they're like, why do you teach like that? like why don't you just tell them what it is And his responses to that point out a lot about worldview one, he just acknowledges listen like these people want to see and hear and they can't Right. So like you're trying to see in here and you are, they're trying to see in here and they can't, which means that there's no instance in which I ought not be trying to understand what's going on. Like sticking my head in the sand is never what scripture wants me to do. And the second thing is that when I see someone who can't who can't see what I'm seeing through the lens of God, I should have compassion and sympathy, not disdain and judgment and hate. I mean, that's, that's just not what we're called to do. And, and so what we talked about was because the Holy Spirit lives in me, I always have that truth. I have that in me to convict me, to guide me, to direct me, which means that I'm safe to try and put myself into the worldview of others and let God do what God's gonna do in it. Hmm. And in my experience, most of the time when I do that, God will affirm most of where I sat and there will be some small thing where he shows me uh, a judgment or hatred in myself or an area in which I have uh, an understanding or empathy for the other person. And it starts to build these bridges. I mean, the, the notion that people's backgrounds doesn't matter is silly because anybody who, who went to any kind of theological education understands that when you preach, you do a thing called exegesis. And what exegesis is is the process of understanding what the original message meant to the original people so that you can take that meaning and apply it to your life. How do you do that? You think about who was the person who wrote it? What was their ethnicity? What was their Mm. age? What were their circumstances? I mean, like worldview is foundational to proclaiming God's word. So how can we pretend that we're not supposed to do the same thing in our daily lives?
0: And another interesting point. I've talked with Mike a little bit about this on the podcast before, but it is so it is so funny to to me. And as you read Scripture, it's kind of funny too because the disciples, like, we think back and we're like, "Man, how did they not get it? Like, they were there with mm-hmm. him, like, and then he's he's crucified, and you know, they don't they're they don't get that he said he was coming back, and it was like. Then you then you really take a step back for a second. And you realize a ton of what he said, he was he was purposefully speaking in stories or parables, or uh, you realize that the intentionality behind that for him is that he he knew that saying something that that got me to think and to arrive at that conclusion myself mm-hmm. is always going to work better than someone standing up and telling me you should think this or you should do this. But, uh, the, the work that you're talking about is work that we kind of just have to do because no one can really, no one can really do that for you. It's something that you have to figure out because you, you have to arrive there. No one else is, no one else is going to tell you this is how you should think, or this is where you should arrive on things. You, 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 at the end of the day, you have to arrive there. And those are the questions that you have to ask yourself. So basically did you ever see the movie inception. Yes. So basically Jesus was just doing inception on all of us and he was he just was. planning these ideas. And he was like, just think about them. And then you came to that conclusion. You're like, I just thought of this thing. And Jesus is over there. Like,
1: <laughs> see, I like that. I was going to go sixth sense or fight club. Now listen, there's some stuff in <laughs> fight club. I don't condone, but I'm telling you when I realized the end, I literally went back, I bought another ticket and went back in to watch it again. And that's, and I get that I am a Bible geek and I do this, whatever, but like, that's, that's how scripture is. When I learn a thing and can go back in and see it with all new eyes, that's, I mean, it's amazing. All right. Last thing. And then we'll rock out of here. Um, I was
0: just curious to ask uh, how the uh, racism in America forum that you're doing was going. We I know we had a, ton of people that wanted to be involved
1: in that. How many of that end up being, and how has that been? How, what have those conversations been like? Sure. Uh, so right now we're at 160 people, um, which for a thing that we mentioned once, hmm. clearly there's a heart that direction. And those are not all people that sit on one side of the issue. Um, there is a very good mix. And so, I mean, it's been going great. The hope, whenever you do a thing, is that like you don't want there to be too much time. Like You want to come to the end of whatever it is, the hour, the hour and a half, and you want people to want more because it keeps them engaged in the material, um, and, and that's been the case every time. But the thing that has struck me the most since this whole thing started is the number of interactions I've had with people who are disagreeing with something that I've said or, or a, a reading that I have signed or something But the way that they're disagreeing is a is a genuine desire to put themselves in my worldview, Hmm. like a desire to to in honoring God, to understand the other side of the coin. And I have had I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of seven. I'm sure there's more uh, conversations that that went longer than one email to another, like actual back and forth dialogues and not a one of them has not been thoughtful, intelligent, respectful, loving. And, and in many of them, the way we both ended the conversation was to to acknowledge appreciation for the way the other person was willing to engage us. Mm. And that's, that is why the church is supposed to lead out in issues of injustice and inequality because we have a covenant bond with one another where we we're capable, of having respectful, intelligent discussions on items we don't agree on, and still have it be God honoring and loving—that's um, kind of what makes the church special.
0: Hmm. Um, I know it's different because we can do this virtually and not have people in the same room. But I can't think of—I can't think of any class forum event that we have done. Other than just worshiping together normally on Sundays that have had the type of response that this has had, right? Has there been the, anything since you've been here that you close, can think of?
1: The closest was we did a Seder for Monday Thursday a couple years ago that had 120 people. Yeah. But we advertised the heck out of that thing. Like, this was, we realized we had to do it on a Thursday. We put it on Facebook on a Friday, announced it on a Saturday, on a Sunday, and it started the next Thursday. Um It is, this is, this issue is Lake Forest DNA. Uh, It's just a part of who we are and what we care about because we love God and and we want to be concerned about not just ourselves, but those around us. Um, And I just, I have really appreciated the way our people have engaged it.
0: I have seen the same thing. So we, uh, we appreciate you guys lake forest or listening to this and your desire to do exactly what jeff's talking about and and uh poke some holes into your worldview and and see what happens when when you do that and uh, again is another thing mike and i have talked about is there is literally nothing there's nothing dangerous about asking questions there's nothing dangerous about, about challenging your worldview because if if the thing you're holding on to is the true thing then there's nowhere to go but back to that yep. y- you're not going to you're not going to you're not going to poke the holes in it and then land in some crazy place and you're going to go i wish i never started asking questions like right. um, there's it is only a it's only a healthy thing for us as christ followers it's not a taboo thing it's not a thing that, that we should avoid uh, asking tough questions cuz we're afraid what's going to happen when we do that that Um, we only, we only grow at the end of that process in our, in our confidence of what we believe. And we may even find some areas that the thing that we went in thinking, uh, we had, we had to come out on the other side of that a little bit and say, maybe, maybe need to tweak Mm -hmm. what, where, where I am on that a little bit, because where I perceive the Bible and, and what God says on this issue to be, may not be where where I thought it was when I started. So keep asking, keep trekking together.
1: I I would say this final thought, because I know I'm not the only one, asking questions is what led me to Jesus. Hmm. If I never asked questions, I never would have found him.
0: Excellent. That's all we have, I think, for today, guys. Uh, Last anonymous question on here. It's not for me. Do you
1: use beard oil? (laughs) Uh, I obviously wash my face with sand, mm, okay. but I know other men that <laughs> simply use a shampoo with conditioner okay. to wash their beard and then don't have to get into the, uh, fancy oils. I was asking for a friend, uh, that's not, that's, not for me. You can share, share that with them. I mean, you know, <laughs> wash it with, with dirt, uh, while yeah. eating rocks and Clearly. then uh, brush it with sandpaper.
0: Clearly. That's yeah. I, and if you get a, I do. If you cut yourself shaving later on, just rub some dirt in it and yep. stop crying about Faces it. Fixes it
1: right up. That's right.
0: That's what we believe around here. All right, we'll uh, we'll catch you guys uh, probably next week. We'll be back at it. Uh, have a great rest of your week, guys. We'll catch up with you soon. See you later. See you later.